Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. I hope you are excited about this new year. This is the first Sunday of the year. And uh, may God bless you and you purpose in your heart that you not miss anything that he has laid up in store for you in 2019. Many times we miss, uh, we miss and we live on half full because we're not here. We're not uh, faithful to the house of God. And I know that sometimes work and travel and other family emergencies or whatever might pro prohibit us from being um, active and in the presence of our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, but endeavor that you're going to do that. You're going to be in the house of the Lord every time that you have an opportunity because I guarantee that um, the leadership of this, of this church has been before God in fasting and in prayer and seeking his face to hear from heaven so that we can feed you what heaven has in store for you. Uh, but you can't get that if you're not present, if you're not expectant. Amen. I know you can feed yourself, uh, but the Lord has also given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints, to equip the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. Because there's a work that he wants you to do. Uh, this, is, this is not all that there is Sunday morning. This is the time for you to come and be equipped and to be filled up and to be inspired and to look at your brother and sister and encourage them in their uh, in their journey and in their fight in the place that God has positioned them to stand and having done all to stand uh, come on you get your armor tightened up a little bit you get it shined up polished up so you can go back and stand and take more territory more ground for Jesus Christ so endeavor to be here throughout 2019 so 2018 is behind us amen somebody say thank God hallelujah some of you all, I know you're glad it's behind. You went through some stuff in 2018. I think if we're all honest, you know, there's some things that, uh, that we all wish we had accomplished that perhaps earlier in, in the year, last year, you had set goals. Uh, you had dreams. You had uh, your vision board and, you know, all the things that you thought and wanted to fulfill. Maybe some of those things did not happen. Uh, and this is not to speak any uh, shame or any guilt about what did occur in 2018, but it's to let you know that you got a fresh start. You have a new opportunity this Sunday, this year. Uh, and the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that we're in a race, that we have this great cloud of witnesses that are, that are in the heavens, that are looking down, watching us. You know, the, the heroes of Hebrews chapter 11 and and people who have gone on to die in the Lord in faith. And they're uh, even more alive now than they were when they were walking the face of the earth. They're watching us. They're encouraging us. And he says, 12 and 1 says, listen, because you're in this race, now you need to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you. And every one of us, if we're honest with ourselves and if, if we're honest with God, you need to just say, hey, I got my sin. I got my weight. I got that thing or those things that have held me back and make it difficult for me to run this race with patience. This thing that causes me sometimes to take my eyes off of Jesus. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. But there are some things, and you know in 2018, they didn't allow you to run your best race. And so the truth be told, we all have something that we need to be delivered from. 
Amen. Something that held you back and maybe it's still holding you back. For some of you, if you just go ahead and be honest, it's chocolate. Chocolate cake, chocolate chip cookies, chocolate ice cream, chocolate candy, chocolate milkshake, whatever, chocolate or some other kind of food. And the secret ingredient, that heavenly ingredient called sugar. That for some of you, for us, go ahead, let me just throw myself in there. For some of us, that's a stronghold. It makes it difficult to work out. We were talking with some of the brothers in, the, in between the service, and they were talking about working out, starting afresh in 20, 2019. And a couple of the brothers, they work out like five days a week. And they, uh, one, one brother said he posted, I think it was Brother Mike said he posted on his Facebook page, said when he goes to the gym this month, he's not going to introduce himself to any people and try to make any new friends because he won't see them the rest of the year. You, you know, you're going to see them for a, couple of, <laughs> for a couple of days only, then you won't see them after this month. Uh, and they were offering some workout advice. You know, they said that you need to, you need to confuse your body, you know, with, with your workout. I said, oh, I do that all the time. I fool my body every day. He think I'm getting ready to get up and work out. I say, ha, I got you. I confused you, didn't I? Huh? You thought I was getting ready to work out. Okay. Uh-huh. Try, try me tomorrow. So I keep my body confused. Yes. So we all have our struggles. Some people have a struggle with money. You know, with the stewardship of that, that, that green dollar. Um, greed might be, you know, a stronghold for you. And God has given us a solution for the spirit of greed, and it's called tithing. Tithing breaks the spirit of mammon off of your life and off of your money. And so if money is a stronghold for you, God's solution is, hey, give it away. Give me the first 10%. It already all belongs to me, but when you do that, this, just that spiritual act of obedience, it, it breaks the spirit of greed and selfishness off of your life, and it puts a blessing of God upon the remaining portion. For others of us, pride is a struggle. We have a struggle with fame. We have a desire to be known. We want, we want to be up front. We want people to know who we are. We want them to know about our contribution. Um, there's a solution for that as well, to protect your heart and mind. And really, with all of these struggles, we need to put guards around us. And, you know, my solution, uh, God's solution for me to deal with pride is, you know, is my home. Because no matter how well you all tell me I did and pat me on the back when I walk through the front door, I'm not bishop. I'm, I'm, you know, whatever my wife chooses to call me, and it's like, you know, you left your bathroom towel on the floor this morning. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, I'm bishop. What you mean? Didn't you just hear what the people said about it? So that's, my, that's God's solution to help me deal with pride right there. Amen. And if that's not enough, you know, some of y'all, y'all keep a brother humble too, you know. Amen. You know who you are. Don't look at nobody, but you know who you are. Sexual expression is another struggle for some people. They struggle with their, with their sexuality. And um, I'll be 59 years young in just a few months. And I can let you know that age does not necessarily diminish sexual temptation. I, I'm, I'm attracted to my wife. I think she's the most beautiful woman on the face of the earth. But that does not mean I'm blind and not attracted to other women. And, you know, ladies, you know, y'all be honest. You know, y'all look at this, you know, every Sunday. So I know it's a struggle for some of y'all, too. But, you know, just understand, I got one already, you know. But I understand it's not easy. We all have our weight and our sin, right? <laughs> But as we, why y'all laughing? Why y'all laughing? But as we start this new year, I'm serious now. As we start this new year, we are starting it. I'm starting it. And I challenge you to join with me and corporately together. Let's start it in a powerful way. 
and with the declaration that we are going to find freedom. We're going to find freedom from whatever it is that is that weight in that sin, whatever it is that, that, that held you back. I shared in the 8 o'clock service, and I, and I, and I know that it is, it is a, a prophetic word for a particular group of people in our congregation this Sunday. And it is for the, the OGs. So y'all know who you are, see? That's the cry of an OG right there. If you ain't say nothing, you're not an OG. But the OGs, where my OGs at? Just wave at me. Y'all know who you are. You know who you are. OGs is, let me just break it down for some of y'all. An OG is an old gangster, an original gangster. See, before y'all young folks came up and thought y'all was cool and smart and you know, hey, we, we, we set the standard for the game. Don't think we don't know nothing just because, you know, we might wear a blazer or a suit and tie. But I believe that the Lord is saying in, on this day, in this particular season, that there are many older men, my age and older, that have been dealing with struggles and strongholds and habits and addictions and, and just going through life, covering it up with our masculinity and with our machoism and with our professionalism or whatever it might be, but still knowing that you're not free. This is a day of liberation for my brothers. We're going to find freedom. And, and, and don't just say, okay, I'm glad he's preaching to them older men today. No, I'm preaching to all of us because we all need to be delivered from something. Freedom. Everybody say, I'm finding freedom in 2019. Amen. Freedom was the foundation of Jesus' ministry. Think about that. He came to set us free. The, the communion emblems that we just received a moment ago really symbolize freedom. They symbolize the breaking of chains from the, the slavery to sin and the slavery to the devil and slavery to your flesh and slavery to the world. Jesus' foundation of ministry was a declaration of freedom. It was that that marked and characterized his ministry. People are known for certain things, but if you want to know what Jesus' mark of ministry was, it was freedom. It was setting people from the, free from the bondage of death, free from addictions, free from, from, from sickness, free from religion. He came to set people free. And at the beginning of his ministry, he went back to his hometown. And he took the scroll and turned to Isaiah 61. And in verse 1, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings, good news to the poor. He's letting the poor know, listen, I've, came to, I've come to set you free from poverty. I've come to set you free from spiritual brokenness and spiritual emptiness. He said, the Lord has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. When he talks about the acceptable year of the Lord, he's, he's referring to the year of Jubilee, which was a Jewish a religious festival that at the end of every 50 years, it was called the Jubilee year. And that meant that every slave could go free. Every indentured servant could be free. All debts that you owed to, to a, a landlord or to a lender, they were canceled no matter how much you owed. After end, the end of 50 years, God said it's a Jubilee year. You get to start all over. Jesus is saying this is the beginning of the, my ministry. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And those people who are familiar with him in his own country, his family members, his friends, people who grew up with, they marveled. They said, where did he get this wisdom from? Where did he get this power to do all of these marvelous works? We know this man. He grew up here. This is Mary and Joseph's son, his brothers and sisters. We know them. But they didn't know the, the, the Jesus that, and the purpose that he came to, to set people free. The writer of, of, of the book of Acts reminds us in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that Jesus was anointed by the Spirit. 
and that he went about healing and doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. The mark of Jesus' ministry was a, was a ministry of deliverance to set people free from bondage. And I know that just because you came to church today doesn't mean that you're free totally. We all have something we need to be delivered from. And when you know Jesus, when you meet the chain breaker, Jesus is the chain breaker. When he breaks your chains, he frees you so that you can go out also with that same ministry of deliverance and set captives free. He did that for Peter. He did that for Paul. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he talks about the mark of his own ministry. He's writing and he says in verse 1, he says, Brothers, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. In verse 4, he says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but, was, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. The ministry that marked Paul, Paul's life was not the wisdom of teaching people with man's wisdom, but it was the wisdom that came by the Holy Spirit. It was demonstrated by power, power to cast out demons in Jesus' name, power to heal the sick in Jesus' name, power to raise the dead in Jesus' name, power to proclaim good news to people who were lost, who were not saved. And if you're here this morning and you know you're not in the place spiritually in your relationship with God that you should be, the gospel is going forth right now so that you can turn your life around and God can set you free from the chains and you too can become a chain breaker. 1 John 3 and 8 says it was for this purpose that the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The work of the devil is to keep you enslaved. Come on, the, de the devil is a slave master. He's a hard taskmaster. Sin is, is what he uses to, to keep you enslaved. It's a chain, and every one of us has that weight or that sin around our foot. And this morning, God wants to set you free. And the, and the thing that he uses to set us free is truth. Amen. The lie enslaves us. The devil's power is through the lie. He's, the, he's a liar from the beginning. But Jesus came to expose the devil's lies. And he exposes it and he breaks it with truth. Some of you this morning, you're going to be set free. You're going to be like this man that we're going to read about in a moment in Luke chapter 8. Because when, when you meet the chain breaker and he, he breaks your chains off of your life, then now you're free and he sends you back to your home so that you can help other folks get free. Amen. Let's look at the gospel of Luke chapter, chapter 8 verse 26. This is the, what the chain breaker did back in his day. He's doing it here today. It says in verse 26, then Jesus sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite of Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there, met us, there he met a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but he lived in tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out. He fell down before him with a loud voice. And the demon, this is the demon speaking, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? He said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine were feeding there on the mountain, so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons who went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. And when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and they told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid and they also who had seen it told them by what means he had been demon possessed was healed. 
and the whole multitude of the surrounding regions of the Gadarenes, they asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into a boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demon had departed begged him that he might be with Jesus, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house. And tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way, proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. If I had time, I would, I would dive deeper just into um, this teaching about deliverance. I mean, Jesus is just really showing us that we don't have to be afraid of the devil and his demons. There's a scripture in the book of 1 John that says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. See, when you know the chain breaker personally, Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of the one who puts people in chains because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. <laughs> it, it amazes me why people would, would go in their purse and their wallet and take out $13 and, and, and give it to the ticket man and sit in front of a large... Hollywood screen for two and a half hours and watch demons. I just don't understand that. It's just beyond me, but some of y'all, y'all like them horror movies and stuff. But. but we don't have to be afraid of the power of the devil. Because the, Satan is, is a creature. He's not, he's not the opposite. He's not the synonym he's not, or antonym. He's not opposite of God. He's a creature. God is the creator. And so the devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at the same time. He's not omnipotent. He's not all powerful. He's limited. He's certainly more powerful than you and I on our own, but he's no equivalent to Jesus. So greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And the devil knows that. That's why when Jesus stepped off the boat onto the land, the demons who were in, there were many, they were called legion. They had a name. They were, they recognized Jesus. They say, this is the one that, that we saw up in heaven when we got cast out with the devil. And they ran and bowed to Jesus and said, what have, what have you come to do with us, Lord? Have you come to torment us before our time? We know that because of that rebellion and that war in heaven, when Satan, Lucifer, thought he could overtake God and got defeated and cast out, we know that there is a lake of fire that's been prepared for the devil and his angels. We know that that day is coming. Have you come to torment us before that time? Please don't torment us because the devil knows that he has but a short time and he's seeking captives whom he can take possession of. The devil needs a body because he is a fallen spirit. He's a fallen being. He doesn't have a body. Angels don't have a physical body. They need a house to live in. Are they living in you? Are they occupying your mind? And this is how they gain interest. They gain interest through a lie. They gain interest through a wound. They gain interest through a, an act of your will that invites them in. But the same way that you invited them in, you can command them to leave in Jesus' name. And that's what we see Jesus doing here. They wanted another body to live in because they, like the, their, their father, the devil, came to steal, kill, and destroy. And rather than be cast out of that region, they said, can we go and inhabit the body of these pigs. Jesus gives them permission to illustrate a point, the point that I just got through telling you, that they need a body. They came to steal, kill, and destroy. They go into the pigs, and immediately the pigs run over a cliff and drown in the, in the water. And the people who are around that seeing what happened, they're afraid. They value the pigs more than they value the man's life who had just been set free. They want Jesus to leave. There are some of us, we don't want Jesus to cast the demons out of us. we kind of enjoying having their presence. The pleasure, the feel, the, 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 the position or the, the whatever they give to us. We'd rather have that than have freedom in Jesus. But there's a group of us this morning that are determined in 2019, I'm going to find freedom if it's the last thing I do. So when they come and they see the man who previously had all of these demons, 
This man who lived naked. The man didn't live in a house. He lived in tombs. He, he lived with chains hanging from his hands. He lived crying out in torment day after day after day. There are many of you that are like that man. You might not be looking like him. You, nobody sees the change. Nobody, you look great in all of your clothes, but deep down inside you are in torment. You are looking to find some freedom. And I want to let you know the chain breaker is here today. And at the end of this service, you can come and meet Jesus and recommit your life to him. And you'll be like that man sitting clothed in your right mind, ready for Jesus to give you a commission. And you know what the commission Jesus gave the man when he set him free? He said, go back home. Go back home and set other folks free. He who the son sets free is free indeed. So the devil's power is in a lie. And the lie that we believe from the devil, it begins to cause us to feel a certain way and we, st we start thinking a certain way and then we start acting a certain way. The lie leads to a habit. The habit leads to a, uh, a struggle. The struggle leads to an addiction. The addiction leads to a stronghold. And before you know it, we're in prison and we got these chains on us and it all began with the lie of the devil. And that's why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have a divine power. See, this is a spiritual warfare you're in. So you can't fight it with, with natural weapons. You need a divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. See, it all begins with a lie. That, that's why the Bible says in verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension. Every pretense. A pretense is a pretending thought. The devil is a pretender. He is an actor. He's a pretender. He acts like he's got power over you. He acts like that your last act of sin has, has been, been an unforgivable sin, that you are forever going to be in this struggle and this bondage for the rest of your life. He's pretending. He's a liar. Come on, many of you know his lies. You know that you've been living, you've been living under that lie. You want to be free, but you didn't believe that you can be free. So the Lord has come to give us spiritual weapons to tear down these strongholds, demolish them. The devil wants you to reason with him. He wants you to argue with him. And you will never beat the devil at an argument. Adam learned that in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, when, when he and Eve were in this relationship with God in the Garden of Eden, and God gave him his word. The day that you eat of this tree, you're going to surely die. The devil came and started an argument with him. You're not going to surely die. Oh, yes, you will. No, you won't. Yes, you will. No, you won't. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Oh, no, we won't. Y'all remember them cartoons? They used to do that flip side on you. Some of y'all going to get that on the way home. It's like, well, that was too fast, Bishop. I didn't catch that. I ain't got time to go back and rewind it. But just know that you cannot win an argument with the devil. He's always going to win. Adam started this, this, this debate with the devil, and on the flip side of it, he took the forbidden fruit and he ate of it. And that's how the devil became the prince of the power of the air, the small G-O-D, God of this world. In possession of the dominion, in possession of the principalities and air that God had rightfully given to you and I as his sons and daughters. But Jesus, the last Adam, came back to this earth in the form of a baby, lived a sinless life, performed miracles, gave his body to be crucified, died, was placed in a borrowed tomb, and three days later he rose with power over sin, sickness, hell, the grave, and the devil. And that same authority that he has, he says, I'm giving it to you. Now you go. And make disciples of the nations. Go and be chain breakers. Because people are living in bondage. And they want to be free. And I'm giving you some spiritual weapons. You've got to demolish the stronghold of the devil. Because that stronghold started with a lie. It started with a pretentious thought. That thought led to emotion. Which led to an action. Which led to a habit. Which led to a struggle. Which led to an addiction. And now people are so locked up in chains. Only you who have been set free can set them free.
So the Lord has called us to break the chains. Many of you all probably are old enough to remember in 1992, a 14-year-old girl named Elizabeth Smart was kidnapped and abducted from her Salt Lake City home at Knife Point. This religious crazy man captured her and brought her to his house and caused her to live outside in the backyard under this camouflage tent for nine months. Every day, this man raped her and beat her down so much emotionally and physically that she became convinced that she would never be free. He enslaved her. He enslaved her to the point where he got the confidence that now he could bring her out in public in disguise and she would never tell people who she really was. After she was rescued, it was found out that there was one day that he and her were in a library, a public library, and a police officer came into the library flashing pictures of Elizabeth Smart and even asked the man with Elizabeth Smart sitting at a table five feet away, have you seen this young girl? We're looking for her. The police officer who had this power on his hip and the authority on his badge and Elizabeth Smart could have said, hey, it's me. I'm her. He, he captured me. She didn't say a word. You know why? Because she believed the lie that this man could kill everybody in her possession, in her uh, perimeter. There are many of us that are like that. We're like the Elizabeth Smart of that day. We're like the elephant, the baby elephant that grew up with a chain around his leg that believed that it couldn't break free from the tree. But as the elephant got bigger and the chain became a rope, <laughs> the chain was in his mind. The chain of a slave mentality. Jesus came to set us free and he sets us free from the chains and the traps of the devil through the truth of the word of God. In John chapter 8, in verse 31, Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There's one thing that breaks the chain of the enemy, and it's the truth of God's word. It's not you arguing with him. It's the word. It's the word. The de in fact, in verse 43, Jesus goes on in John 8. He says, why do you not understand my speech? Ask a question. Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and he's the father of it. The first lie that was ever concocted came from the heart and the mind and the lips of the devil. He's the father of every lie. And it's the lie that causes you to believe and you are held in bondage today. So whatever the devil has told you about yourself is a lie. Whatever he has told you about your future is a lie. Can I just talk to married folk for a moment? Whatever the devil has told you about your spouse is a lie. It's always going to be this way. That's a lie. That, that ought to let you know this, this thing about to turn around. God about to turn the water into wine. I'd better hang on in there just a little while longer. Don't you let that man go. Don't you let that woman go. You done spent 18 years of your life trying to get this person the way you want him. And you, gonna, you about to quit him? The breakthrough is about, is about a week away. You go ahead and let him go. Somebody else going to swoop him up. And, and it's, like, it's like playing a slot machine. You've been putting quarters in it for 18 years. And you give up. Somebody come in there. It's my last quarter. They put a... Don't you let that man or that woman go. The devil is a liar. What have the devil told you about your children? 
That your children are this or your children are going to become this. Listen, you got to turn that lie around with the truth. You got to arrest it. You got to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ. The devil might have told you your children are going to be drunks. Your children are going to be homosexual. Your children are going to be in prison. Your children are going to be homeless. Your children are going to drop out. You, gotta, you ought to just turn that thing around. My children are going to be the head because the devil told me they're going to be the tail. My children are going to be college graduates because the devil told me they're going to drop out. My children are going to have a great marriage because the devil told me they're going to be messed up sexually. Whatever he told you about yourself, just know that it's not the truth. Jesus refused. He refused to mentally and emotionally debate with the devil. You can't, you can't, you can't argue with the devil. In Matthew chapter 4 and John chapter 3, Jesus was driven by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days, he fasted. I'm going to deal with that in just a moment. And he, and he was alone in the wilderness and the devil came to tempt him with a lie. If you are the son of God, prove it. Turn these stones into bread. Jesus didn't debate with him. Man, I ain't got to prove nothing to you. I am the son of God. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. No, sure. no, you can't debate with the devil. Jesus just went to the truth. It is written, Satan. He stood on the truth of the word of God. He took the sword of the spirit and stabbed the devil right in his heart with the truth. Can I just let you all know, we're beginning this, this year with an emphasis on just getting back to Bible reading. Every one of us, I'm telling you, Jesus says, Jesus said in Matthew 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if the devil tempted Jesus, don't you think he's going to tempt you? If he tested him, don't you think he's going to test you? And if Jesus, could, if Jesus could only defeat the devil with the word of God, what weapon do you think you need to use? It's got to be the word. It's got to be the word. But if you own three or four Bibles, that happened for a reason. If you own three or four Bibles, but you never read them, the devil got you already. Because you're already believing a lie and living under a lie. So you got to spend time in the word of God with God. What better way than to start 2019 with a commitment to the word of God? So on Wednesday during Aspire, we're starting with the first gospel of the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament, the gospel of Matthew. To get a fresh look at King Jesus. What is his kingship? What does his lordship really mean? Why did he come? He says the kingdom of God has come. It's established in your heart. And so we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. We're starting with an with a, with a encounter in the word of God. And then next month we're going to the first letter that Paul ever wrote. The first letter to the church in Thessalonica, the first book of Thessalonians. It's because people have to renew their mind in the word of God. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's the word of God that transforms our mind, that, that, that causes us to, to dwell upon the truth. The more truth you have in your heart and in your mind, the easier it is to recognize a lie. You know, what, you know how you can tell counterfeit money? Because you've been handling real money all your life. It don't even feel the same. It don't even look the same. You just automatically know, no, this one ain't real. That one is real. How do you know? Because that's all I deal with is, is the truth. So when a lie comes, I already know. That's why fathers need to be telling your daughters that they're beautiful. That's why you need to be telling your, your children who they are in Christ. So that when the devil comes and say, you know, your daddy don't love you. Say, well, that's a lie. My daddy been telling he loved me for the last 25 years. I know a lie because I've been listening and meditating and renewing my mind on the truth. 
Hallelujah. Cancer is of the devil. See, some of us believe the lie. Well, the Lord put this on me. I'm going to go through it. Because he won't put more upon you than you're able to bear. Cancer is not God's will. Cancer is of the devil. Jesus is Jehovah Rapha. The Lord, your healer. <laughs> How many of you have children? So Jesus says, if you being earthly fathers, evil fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How many of you would give your children, I'm, you know what, son? Come on over here. I'm going to give you a little bit of cancer just so you know how to appreciate good health. How much more will your Heavenly Father give good things, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How many of you would break your child's leg so they don't play in this? You know what? I saw you running out in the street the other day. You almost got hit by a car. Come over here. Let me break your leg so you know what it feels like so you don't run out in the street next time. God's not that kind of father. Cancer is not of the devil. And so some of us have believed the lie that, you know what, I'm supposed to live with a little bit of this struggle in my life. I'm supposed to live with a little bit of sin in my life. But if the doctor says we found cancer in you and you've got three options, they all cost the same. It's not going to cost you any more. You're going to experience the same amount of pain. And, but either we can cut all of it out or we can cut 50% of it out or we can cut none of it out. <laughs> it's going to take the same amount of time. It's going to cost you to say, how many of you would say, you know what, just, just take 50% of it out. <laughs> just leave the other half in there. Mm -mm. Cut it all out. That's why in 2019, you got you to gotta make your mind up that I'm going to live in total freedom and in total liberty. I'm not, I'm not going to drag my past into this new year. It's a weight and it's a sin that's hindering my purpose and hindering my destiny. The devil is a slave master. In the Old Testament, Moses was called by God. To be a deliverer. He like Jesus was sent to Pharaoh. Like Jesus was sent to Satan the slave master of sin. And was commanding them to let God's people go. You know the devil will never let you go. Until somebody stronger shows up and demands it and takes your freedom. He's a strong man. He's stronger than you and I. And until somebody stronger with more authority and more power shows up, like the FBI, come on, like a police officer, like a sheriff, they got a nine millimeter on their hip or a 45 and they got the authority of the badge until they show up and they bind the strong man. You got to be the, you got to have a stronger man in your life. And so Moses showed up, his ministry like Jesus was marked with freedom. It was marked with deliverance. It was marked with signs and wonders. And God gave Moses ten signs, ten miracles, ten wonders, ten plagues to put upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians that would cause him to let God's people go. And Pharaoh is just like Satan. He operates the same way. He wants to keep you in bondage because he's pleasuring off of your pain. He's profiting off of your body, off of your mind, off of the wasted time. Just think about the books that could have been written, the songs that could have been composed, the testimonies that you could have been given to the glory of God. But the devil is profiting because you are not living the life of abundance that Jesus came to give you. How is he profiting? Well, he is populating hell more and more and more because people are still dying and going to the hell that was prepared for him and his angels because you are not living in the position of freedom that God created you to live. So Moses, this feeble, humble man, the Bible calls him the meekest man on the earth. Meekness is not weakness. Don't, don't get it twisted. Some of y'all think, oh, Bishop Harvey, he's so meek, he's so humble. You know, you can just say whatever you want to do to him and he ain't going to, you know, say it. He, he's still going to love you. Yeah, I might love you, but I might. Come on now. 
Don't tempt me. I'm still human now. He going to turn the other cheek. Yeah, but I only got two cheeks. So you hit, the, hit me a second time. He, you better duck. That's why Moses, he got angry. He might have been meek, but he wasn't perfect. Moses missed the promised land, y'all. He got to see it, but didn't get to go in. This meek, humble man who didn't want to be called by God because he had a stuttering problem. He couldn't speak well. He didn't have all the confidence in himself. God says, yes, I'm choosing you. Spoke to him in a burning bush. Said, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Tell him, let my people go. Well, what, 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 you know, why should, he, why should he believe me? God said, what do you have in your hand? Moses had a rod in his hand. Put it down. He put it down and he became a snake. Took it back up. He became a rod again. See, God was demonstrating to Moses, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Because Pharaoh, like the devil, he got some tricks too. And when Moses came to Pharaoh, the very first thing he did, Pharaoh, he put his stick down. And Pharaoh went and got his witches and sorcerers and, 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 uh, and, and demon, demonologers. And they did the same thing. Their sticks became snakes. And God caused the, the stick, the snake that Moses had, to swallow up their snakes. And was he letting you know greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Your ministry, the spirit of God is upon you. It's upon you. Because you've met the chain breaker. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You have been anointed for such a time as this to set other captives free. So the devil's never going to let you go. Pharaoh didn't want to just, just let his profitability go, let his pleasure go. He wanted a bigger kingdom. I mean, these Israelites, they were building his kingdom. They're building pyramids and building, you know, palaces for him and, 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 you know, farming his fields. They were doing everything. Free labor for hundreds of years. That's what we've been doing for the devil. Free labor. That's why when you meet Jesus, when you get a glimpse of Jesus when, and you get a glimpse of hell, and you turn your back on hell, you ought to give everything that you got to populating heaven. It's not just about the pleasure and the abundance that you can accumulate here on the earth, but it, you got to see heaven and you got to see the reality of hell and see how the devil has been using your, your bondage to all the while you're in bondage, he's still, people are dying and falling in a devil's hell. Family members. Children, sons, daughters, uncles, cousins, neighbors, co-workers. How many people died in 2018 and went to hell? When you could have had an opportunity to set them free. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh. And in, in, in Exodus chapter 8, he goes to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh... Just like the devil, he offers a compromise. He says, listen, okay, in verse 25, you can go and worship your God. Go ahead and sacrifice to him, but do it right here in the land. We're going to give you just, a, just one toe in the water of freedom. I don't want you to taste all the freedom, so worship God, but do it right here. Do it while you're in slavery, because I need you back at work at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's just like the devil. He will give you one toe of freedom as long as he can maintain the other 99 and a half of you in bondage. And you really don't have any freedom at all. He's offering you a compromise. <laughs> and Moses said in verse 27, no, I reject that. We will go. Three days journey into the wilderness and we will sacrifice to the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Moses did not say anything about we'll be at work at five o'clock in the morning three days from now. He said, no, we're not going to worship God in the land. We're going to do as God said. We're going to be who he said we're going to be. We're going to have what he said we can have. We're going to do what he told us to do. We're not going to compromise. You know how some of us, we compromise? We, 
We, we say, Lord, I, I love you. I got a relationship with you. There's many people that have a relationship with Jesus. They're on their way to heaven, but they don't, they're not enjoying the journey. You're on your way to heaven, but you're not enjoying the journey right now. You know why? Because you still got some strongholds and some bondage in your life. It's, it's, it's because of compromise. You think you can worship God while you're still in Egypt. And so many of us, we have disobeyed the word of God where it says that we should not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And some of us act like we don't understand the King James Version. And so, you know... Unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Oh, you know, that's what I was for Big Mama and Big Daddy Nim and for Bishop Nim. I don't know what, what that means. It means that you should not be in a physical, romantic, or definitely a sexual relationship with a person who is not a follower of Jesus Christ if you claim to be one. It is an unequal yoke. You are, you are representing light and they are representing darkness. And so either... They're going to pull you into the darkness or you're going to pull them into the light. And well, that's what I'm trying to do, Bishop. I'm, I'm evangelistically dating. I'm going to bring them into the light. It ain't going to be long. I've already seen change. They came to church with me one time last year. He even went to the altar. That one time. He changing. And you end up marrying an unbeliever and you just, and, and you're not enjoying the journey. Because you're, you're, if, if it's not, you're trying to worship God in the land of Egypt, you're, you're, you're believing Satan's second lie. In Exodus 8, 28, Pharaoh said to Moses, after he rejected the first compromise, he says, okay, okay, you can go and worship, but don't go very far away. <laughs> go to the next county. Don't go too far away because I still want to be able to pull the chain every now and then. Some of us, you know what your chain is. The devil know how to rattle your chain. Three o'clock in the morning. He rattled your chain. He might even ring your phone. What you doing? Oh, I ain't doing nothing. Rattling your chain. You didn't go far away enough. You're still within his reach. Don't go far away, he says. Some of us believe that I can give half of my heart to Jesus and half of it to the devil. <laughs> and after all, the Lord know my heart. He made us human. He made us with these emotions. He made us with these desires. He, he know they ain't paying me enough at work, so it's all right if I take some supplies and sell them on the side. It's all right. No, Jesus wants all of you. Not half. Not part. He wants all of you. So Moses says no. And after that, God sent several more plagues against Pharaoh. Several more curses. Because the devil will not let go until a stronger man manifests. Moses comes again a third time. In Exodus chapter 10, verses 8 through 11, and in this, in this context, Pharaoh says, okay, go ahead and worship God, but just let the men go, not the women and the children. Pharaoh was willing to release the men and allow them to go. This is how the devil lies. And many men have believed that lie. To believe that you got a freedom while your children and your, your spouse is still bound. That when you're not in the position of, of, of spiritual leadership and servant leadership where you should be, your wife and your children, everybody that is lined underneath your headship, they're suffering. You might get the biggest piece of chicken or the first plate at the table. You know how we are. Right? That's, that's how the male lion is. The woman lion go out and kill, the, kill everything. And the man just walk up there and he eat half of it. He ain't chase nobody. And to believe that it's all right as long as you're all right, that's a lie from the pit of hell. 
to believe that your children don't matter. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The devil wants you to turn your attention on your own hobbies and your own pleasure and your own lifestyle and how they treat you at work and how the women look at work and you forget about everything that God is valuing at home. The devil is a liar. You can't have our children. You can't have our marriages. You cannot have my body. You cannot have my destiny. I refuse to live in a selfish posture in 2019. Amen. As for me and my house, like Joshua, we will serve the Lord. So Pharaoh says, after Moses reject that offer, sees through the lie, finally he says in Exodus 10, 24, okay, you can go and worship God, but let your flocks and your herds stay here. Let your cattle, let your camels, let, let all your stuff stay here. How can you worship God without some stuff? <laughs> Wherever a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. God want, doesn't just want your body, he wants your mind, he wants your stuff as well. He wants you to glorify him with your intellect. Some of you have spent forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars on an education, but you're not serving God with it. You're not glorifying God. You need a personal relationship with God so that everything that you are and everything you possess is under the lordship and the kingship of Jesus Christ. He wants your stuff. Don't believe the lie of the devil that you can worship God with just come on church to church on Sunday for a couple of hours. And don't let Bishop preach too long because then that's too much time for the no, you give God everything. I love what Moses says in Exodus 10 and 26. He says, no, Pharaoh, our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not be a hoof left behind. For therefore must we take to serve the Lord our God. And we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come hither. Moses is saying we need our stuff to serve God. It glorifies the Lord. So the Lord is saying to all of us that he wants to give us freedom in 2019. You know, I started out this message talking about all of us needing deliverance from something. But, you know, the Lord is saying this morning, especially to men, he's saying, listen, I'm focusing on my men this morning. Because as the man goes, generally the family goes, the community goes, the, the household goes, the, the church goes. We'd be nothing without the women of God. We wouldn't be here without the women of God. This church is, is more populated by women than it is with men. But something happens in the atmosphere. There's a shift in the atmosphere. There's a shift in the home. There's a shift in the community. When men, with all of our weakness, yeah, we macho, but all of our weakness, that, that macho stuff is just, is just covering up our weakness. Oh, yes. But when men come and present themselves before God, there is a shift in the household. There is an undeniable transfer that occurs. That's why the Bible calls it the sins of the fathers. That's why it's called the sin of Adam. And, and Adam is called the father of creation. It wasn't that Eve wasn't important. But when Eve ate the forbidden fruit, nothing happened. Nothing shifted. You know what the shift occurred when Eve ate? It shifted in Adam's heart because Adam loved Eve more than he loved God. But when you find a man who loves his wife but saying, listen, baby, I love God more than I love you. And I can't really love you right until I get this thing right with God. When you find a man who sets his love on God, there is a shift in the atmosphere. And so the Lord is saying to my brothers this morning, he's saying that some of us have been like Samson. Samson. Samson, who was ordained at his birth to know God, to love God, to serve God, to be a judge, to be a leader in the church, in his family, in the community. This Samson began to play the X games. There are some of us that are like that. Samson was all in the games and all in the riddles. You remember he killed the lion one day and came back the next day and there was a beehive in the lion's carcass and there was honey in it and Samson created this riddle and he told the Philistines and they couldn't figure out the riddle and so they went to Samson's wife and they said we're going to kill you and your daddy unless you find out Samson's riddle. 
Samson was, he loved to play them games. Y'all remember the games we used to play and, you know, rock teacher and put your left foot in, your right foot out and any, mini miny mo and all of that. We used to play those games. Some of us as men are still playing games. And you might not be playing rock teacher and any, mini miny mo and hide and go seek, but you're playing even more dangerous games now because there's more at stake than this you. There's a whole line of people lined up in your gen generations underneath you, wives and daughters and sons and grandchildren and, and people who are connected to you in the community. The older you get, the more dangerous it is to play the games. You can't play the games like Samson. But Samson continued playing these games, man. Samson continued wasting time knowing that he was called to be a Nazarite, which meant that his body, his life was consecrated to God from birth, that he was never to drink any wine. He was never to touch any dead bodies. He already touched a dead animal to get the honey out of it. He was never to have his hair cut. He was to make a vow of, of, of abstinence and purity before the Lord all of his life. But Samson was wasting time with the anointing. How many men, how many people have known that God has called them? God has a plan for their life. But you know what we're saying? You know what? I got more time. I, got, I want to play these games for a while. I'll do that later on. Not this year. Not right now. I'm not going to serve God right now. There's still more time. Samson began sleeping with many women, including Delilah, that unequal yoke. Started living in the comfort zone. Laid his head on Delilah's lap. She just began telling him the lies that he started believing. I remember when I first learned how to ride a two-wheel bike. I almost got killed a couple times. I'm serious. Riding out in the street. My brothers will tell you, right there on 11th and Center Street, right next to North Division High School, I'm riding this big 24-inch bike, and I turned out on Center Street, and man, it was a truck coming. I don't, it must have been an angel that just turned that bike. But once after you learn how to ride a bike, you know, you get to pedaling, and you build up speed, and you build up so much speed, and you get tired. After a while, you just sit there, and you stop pedaling, right? And we start coasting. You can even take your hands off the handlebars. You go fast enough. You just coasting. As long as because you maintain your balance with your speed. You maintain your balance with your speed. But if you stop pedaling and you keep coasting, it won't be very long for the bike is going to slow down and you're going to lose your balance. And there are many of us that we lost our speed because we stopped pedaling. We stopped pursuing God. Used to wake up in the morning pedaling in the word. Pedaling in prayer. Used to start the beginning of your year off with, with periods of fasting and consecration and, and setting things aside that you knew were weights and hindrances and determined, I'm going to put my hand in Jesus' hand in this year and we're going we're gonna to do great things for God. You were pedaling. Then after a while you start coasting. That's what Samson did. And he lost his balance. Delilah lulled him to sleep. And while he was asleep, she called for somebody to come in and cut his hair because he had told her the truth. Nobody has ever cut my hair before. That's the secret of my strength. And after the hair was cut, she woke him up and said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And this is what many of us do like Samson. We shake ourselves and we wake up and say, you know what? I'm going to go out like I used to do and kill me some Philistines. But Samson didn't realize that the spirit of God was lifted off of his life. He didn't have any authority. He didn't have any power. And so the Philistines overpowered him and they bound him in chains. And there are many men, many ladies that are just like that. You're bound in chains. You were created for a purpose. You were created with power. You were created for a destiny to be a deliverer. But here you are now bound in chains. And then they took hot irons and they burned his eyes out. So that now he's not only bound, but he's blind. He can't see. He's relying upon people who have to lead him around. This great mighty deliverer, that's a picture of you and me. 
when we're not walking in freedom. And they put Samson in the prison. And not only is he, is, he, is he bound and he blind, but he's grinding out corn. He's pushing this wheel that's grinding out grain. Day after day, he's a slave in the prison. But all the while, while he's in there, he's looking back over his destiny and he, he's living with regret and he's, he starts to repent. And I imagine that many of you, like Samson, are praying in your heart, oh God, just give me another chance, God. I didn't realize that so much was at stake, God. I didn't realize that, that so many people were connected to my destiny. And here I am in slavery, and because I'm in slavery, now the Philistines are killing my people, killing your people. People are dying and going to hell because I'm in these chains and I can't see. And the scripture says that the Philistines decided on one of their festivals that they were going to make sport of Samson. They got drunk and they got married and they said, hey, bring Samson out. Let him entertain us. So they freed him from the grinding wheel. They brought Samson from the prison and they brought him up to the Colosseum. And they stationed him between two pillars. <laughs> Samson couldn't see, but he could hear the voice of the Spirit to say, Samson, you've been praying for a second chance. You've been praying for a new opportunity. Here it is. Samson said, Lord... Just one more time. One more. Do it one more time, God. Let me deliver my people and bring honor to you. And let me avenge myself from my eyes. And they put Samson between the two pillars and he start pushing on the pillars. And I'm sure that made them hilarious. They start laughing. And that's what the devil is doing right now at some of you that are in chains. You're trying to push. You're trying your best to break free. You're, you're trying your best to make a fresh start with God. And the devil and his demons are laughing. Oh, we got them. Oh, yeah. They'll never do anything for God again. But the devil did not realize that Samson's hair was beginning to grow back. Some of your hair is growing back today. Some of you men, some of you ladies that have, that have messed up and you've been down, the devil don't realize it, but your hair is starting to grow again. It's starting to grow because God is a forgiving God. He's a God of second chances. I want everyone in this sanctuary to stand right now. And for the next five minutes, can we just all make a concerted effort that we are, we are going to just tap into the, the new growth. Come on, yesterday is past. You can't change the past. But I'm telling you this morning that God is offering you a fresh start. He's offering you freedom. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.